So you might think before you land in a role that you understand what you're working towards and, and what you're going to land in. But actually, once you get there, you suddenly realize that there's much more to it than maybe you saw from your own role previously. Hello, and welcome to the Talking Leaders podcast. This is season two, conversations about promotion. Hello, Paul Gisby here. It's one thing to be successful in getting promoted, but what about making a success of the new role once you're doing it? Business psychologist Katie Humes believes that you can enhance your chances of success by making sure you properly understand yourself, your motivations, your preferences, your strengths and weaknesses. This knowledge will increase your chances of taking a promotion that's truly right for you and help you tackle the challenges that will come your way, including bolstering your resilience when things get particularly tough. We started our conversation talking about motivation and whether or not people truly understand their motivations for wanting to be promoted. I think that people might believe they have an understanding of what they're motivated by in terms of their promotion. But I think if they do some further reflection, I think there's more that they could understand about their motivations. Um, On a surface level, I think a lot of people are enticed by, you know, the greater status and the increase in salary. Those are obvious ones in terms of practical or, or tactical thoughts that they might have. But we know now that in this day and age, people are far more values driven and people are far more driven by the type of work that they're likely to be doing. And that's a real shift change that's happened in the last, I would say, 20 years of work is that people no longer look to get a job in a particular organization and stay there and work their way up through the ranks. People now look for roles that really matter to them, that fit with their personal values model, that fit with their perceptions of what is important. And I think that is something that we've seen a real change in people's approach to looking for new roles. Um, And it's not necessarily that people will be looking for roles within their own organization to the same extent now. So people will look outside of their organization if the role that they're in at the moment isn't satisfying them. And I think when people start to look for promotions, generally, they've reached a stage in their role where they are either finding it very easy and they're ready for a stretch and ready for a challenge, or they might be at a point where they've become a bit disenfranchised with the role that they're doing and they're looking for something that matters more to them and that feels more important and feels more meaningful. Mm, mm. Would you advise people to do some kind of motivation audit when they're thinking about promotion? Would you advise them to take a systematic approach of, of looking at what their real drivers are? I would definitely recommend that people do that, yes. And there are so many resources available to help people to truly understand their core purpose and what really drives and motivates them. And I think that once people have that level of self-awareness and self-insight, they can really move into roles that appeal to their strengths and to their motivators in a way that means that when they land in the role, they're not going to have that struggle that sometimes people experience when they move into a new role. And you often see people who have taken a promotion 
and within the first few months feel a bit like they're they're drowning in it. It's a lot more than they were expecting. There's a lot to learn. They their capacity load is already at kind of maximum before they even hit the hit the role itself and and the requirements of the role because of the learning that needs to happen. So I think if you have gone into a role that really feels meaningful to you, it'll keep you swimming, if you like, if we're going to use that sort of analogy, and it will keep you working towards the milestones that get you to that point of feeling comfortable and confident in the role. And we all know that when you move outside of your comfort zone, there is a period of discomfort. Obviously, you've moved outside of your comfort zone. And I think the people who really work in something that that matters to them are the ones that will come through the other side of that feeling like they have reached a sense of achievement and that they are doing something that that is really important. And I think that is something that helps with that process of feeling like you might be a bit overwhelmed when you first start a new role that has more responsibility and more expectation as well. And I think that's something that people find quite stressful in the early days of a, a newly promoted role is that increased expectation of what you should be able to achieve and until you reach that point where you've learned everything and you and you know what you're doing and you find that groove that can be really intensely uncomfortable you mean expectations placed upon you by others or you placed on you by yourself well i think both really sometimes you might look at somebody who is more senior to you in in your organization and think i could do that because you see certain elements of that role from your own role so when you're looking at your manager you might see how they run a team meeting and how they communicate with you in your one-to-one. But you may not see how they communicate with their seniors and the way that they present information upwards. And you may not see all of the administrative tasks that they have to do. So you might think before you land in a role that you understand what you're working towards and, and what you're going to land in. But actually, once you get there, you suddenly realize that there's much more to it than maybe you saw from your own role previously. And I think that a lot of people find that quite overwhelming when they move into this new role and they realize all of those extra elements that they hadn't seen. Firstly, that they exist. And secondly, what is expected of them? So you might find that within that new role, you're suddenly expected to present information to a board of more senior people, or you might be expected to share your insights in a in a meeting or, or in a in a webinar and suddenly you're thinking actually I've never done that before I don't really understand how I'm doing it and I, I feel really uncomfortable about it so I think you know the expectations is, is twofold it's the expectation that you put on yourself to succeed in the role thinking that the role is going to be one way and then it might be something different but it's also that the organization expects you to get into that role and succeed as well and you got any specific advice you could give to people on how they could weather that uh, that sort of period of, of, I guess it's sort of steep learning curve, if, if nothing else? Absolutely. So I think that that level of self-awareness that we're talking about really helps because if you have an understanding of your own personality and your own preferences, that can really help you to see where you're likely to succeed immediately and where you might need to place your focus on training and development. So for instance, if you did a a personality profile or a self-analysis of of your personality, you would then be able to see quite easily, okay, so I I recognize that I have preferences for these sorts of activities and I might shy away from those sorts of activities. So then what you can do is, is look at the role description, if you like, 
and almost pick out the things that you will immediately find easier. And those become your quick wins. Those become the things that, okay, so I know that I'm going to be great at running a team meeting. I've seen it happen lots of times. I know the format. I know the formula. I can make that work. I'm, I'm an extroverted person and I'm high on agreeableness. So therefore, I know that I can step straight into that role and really succeed. But you might find that, for instance, you have to do a whole bunch of analysis of data that's coming from different elements of the business. And if you're somebody who, for instance, is low on conscientiousness, that's something that you're going to step into and think, oh my goodness, where do I start? I've never looked at this sort of spreadsheet before, or I've never used this type of software before. I don't even know what I'm looking at here, let alone trying to bring out some meaningful insights. So therefore, if I was that individual, and I know that I'm going to be great at team meetings, but I know that I'm going to find the analysis side of the role quite tricky, what I would then do is surround myself with people who are probably higher on conscientiousness and who can support me and develop me in that area to the point that I can then take over and, and do it myself once I've leveled myself up in that skill, if you like. Mm. I'm smiling here because I think it's almost as though you've been watching me because that's exactly me. I, I the, the sort of detailed analysis. I, 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 a couple of the last jobs I had in the corporate world, a significant proportion was uh, involved going out and getting data and presenting analyses of it. And I found it one, I could do it. I knew, I knew how to do it and, and, and I, I did it reasonably well, but it was grindingly dull and therefore difficult. Uh, what I liked was when once we'd got the whole thing together is then presenting the story. Mm -hmm. Well, then, you know, give me a stage. I was, I was away. <laughs> you mentioned um, some resources that people could use to sort of do this kind of, of, of analysis. Could you mention, you know, describe some specifics perhaps? So there's a wide range of personality profiling tools that people can use. I, I could go through the recommendation route, but there are so many that are fantastic. It really depends on the way that you like to see the information. Some of them are very visual. Some of them are much more mathematical. But generally, you would have somebody who is accredited in the use of that tool to talk you through your outcomes and help you to understand what's, what's coming through in terms of themes and help you to understand that you know there are things that you might see as preferences and things that you might shy away from. But really, you don't necessarily need to go down that route. For instance, if people have a tighter budget or if they don't have the time capacity to, to have that conversation with somebody about their profile, you can look at some of those definitions for the, the different kind of personality elements and do a bit of self-analysis. And when you're doing that self-analysis, I would suggest to people that you take the description for the personality dimension. So often I would recommend people look at the five factors of personality as a model because it's really well respected within psychology fields. And that has five easy to remember factors because you can put it in an acronym. You can use the acronym OCEAN, for instance, and that's openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And what you would then do is look at the descriptions for those dimensions and then think about situations where you might have needed to show that personality trait or you might have found that you really displayed the behaviours that are shown in that description or where you maybe didn't. So, for instance, if you're looking at openness to experience, what I would suggest is you would look at a situation where you were suddenly presented with a big change. 
and what happened when you were presented with that big change. Let's take, for instance, a big move that wasn't in your control. So somebody says to you, you now have to move to a different country. You don't have a choice in this. How would you have responded to that situation? Would you have really flourished? And would you have looked at the fantastic cultural opportunity? Would you have started learning the language? Would you have thought, fantastic, I'm going to get to taste new foods? Or would you have thought about all of the things that worried you about it? So, oh my goodness, I don't speak the language. I'm not going to be able to communicate with anybody. I have never eaten Portuguese food. (laughs) I don't understand the culture. So some people find that sort of change really lights them up. And some people find that that sort of change really makes them uncomfortable and uncertain. So that's just one dimension that that you can look at. But you could do the same thing for each of them. So you look at the description for the dimension of personality and you think, is this me or is it not me? And then once you've done that level of self-analysis, you can then look at the roles that you're looking at. You can think about the tasks that are involved in that role. And even before you apply for a promotion, you can say, okay, so I think that I need to develop myself in these areas so that Because the thing with personality is that although we all have our instinctive preferences, we can dial things up and we can dial things down. So we all know introversion and extroversion. And we know that there are people who naturally prefer to be around others and chat a lot and they communicate to understand things and they love to talk things through. And there are people who naturally prefer to sit and read a book rather than go out on a night out. Or they would prefer to work something out themselves before talking to somebody else about it. And you can be an introvert, but still really succeed in an extroverted role by dialing it up and figuring out the things that you need to do that you might not instinctively like to do, but you know that you can do them. Like you mentioned with the analysis, you know that you instinctively prefer not to do that detailed analysis piece. You prefer not to look at all the numbers, but you also know that you can do it if you need to. And I think then you have a bit of a check and balance conversation with yourself in terms of, so this role is going to require me to dial up a lot of things that I don't naturally enjoy. And so that is going to leave me feeling very tired, probably, because it takes a lot of energy to behave in a way that isn't congruent with our natural preferences. Or do I want to then look at a different role? Do I want to look at something that really appeals to my natural personality? Or do I still want to go for this role anyway? I think that's a really important analysis that people can do for themselves before even applying. Okay, we'll put some links in the show notes to help people uh, explore that a little bit more if, if they if they want to. What about um, things like Strength Finder and, and and that kind of thing? And this whole idea of it used to be years ago when I started out. Um, the classic thing was you worked on your weaknesses because mm-hmm. you know, they need to be upgraded. And then it sort of flipped a bit but, and it was, no, 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 actually play to your strengths and, you know, cover your weaknesses. But don't, don't, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not particularly strong in an area, it's never going to be your, your, uh, the thing that's going to make you most successful. What, what, what's your thought on, on that kind of thing? I think there is an element of truth to that. And I think it ties in with what I was saying just before about the roles that require you to dial up a lot in areas that you don't naturally have a preference or, or a resonance with, those roles will leave people feeling stretched and quite tired and it will drain them of their energy. Whereas if you do play to your strengths and if you find a role that appeals to all of those strengths, then you will feel energized. You will feel 
the motivation will just increase in itself and you will come in each day feeling like you're ready to hit those challenges and it it kind of sings to you almost and it makes you feel like you're succeeding because you're working to your strengths. I would say that generally people will be happiest if they understand their strengths and they do work towards them, much like with the values that we talked about earlier in the motivators. If you go for a role that fits with your values and fits with your strengths, then you will very quickly get to that point where you feel comfortable and confident in that role. Whereas if you've gone for a role that is the the opposite of your personality preferences and the opposite of your value system, you're probably not going to stay in that role for very long because the role will leave you feeling demotivated potentially. It will drain you of your energy. And if it doesn't fit with your value system, it will leave you feeling like you're not doing the things that you should be doing. And it will leave you with a feeling of discomfort that you're doing something that isn't quite right for you. Mm. It's interesting that you, you mentioned it fits with your values because something that's come up a couple of times in, in the interviews I've been doing uh, is actually I think is a version of that, but but it might not uh, you know be apparent immediately to people. And that is, it's not just what the job's about um, and what it involves and what it's trying to lead to, but it can also be very much about the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had two people say that they turned down promotions because although the job itself was something that they were very interested in, the person with whom they would be working and to whom they would be reporting just didn't work for them at all. You know, they really felt they couldn't work with that person. So yes. I suppose it's a similar thing. It's, 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 you know, get your head around that. What does that person believe? And does, do my values marry with their values? Maybe, you know, not necessarily in terms of the job itself, but in how they treat people. Absolutely. And we also know from all of the the body of research that is available that a large reason for people leaving a job or even an organization is that relationship with their manager. It is absolutely critical to how people feel within their role and how quickly people reach a level of burnout. So when we talk about things like resilience, one of the biggest kind of drains on people's resilience tends to be a difficult relationship with their direct line manager. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, I think most people come across that at some point or other in their career, and it can be, it can be quite uh, quite challenging. Okay, do you have an example where you've you've seen somebody use this kind of approach and it's it's benefited them? Absolutely. So I have had a number of coaching conversations with people um, recently. I had a a friend, actually a personal friend, who was leaving a role as a teacher where she had been working for a long time as an art teacher, but it wasn't singing to her anymore. It, it didn't, the things that she was doing as an art teacher no longer felt like the things she initially went into the role for. And over time, she had realized that she had become less and less satisfied with the work that she was doing and the role that she was playing. And so she was actually looking for other things that she would be able to do that would then bring back into focus those things that she loved doing. And so we went through together a values exercise and um, we actually used a card sorting exercise provided by a company called Be Talent for that one. And with that exercise, you look at the different cards and the different descriptions of those values and you decide this one is definitely me, this one is maybe me, this one is definitely not me. So you have three different piles. And then you 
really pick up the ones that are definitely you and the ones that are definitely not me, because those are the ones that tell you the most about the types of work that are really going to, to feel right to you and the types of work that you're going to enjoy for a long time. So what you want to then do is look at what are your top values, the things that are definitely me, and what are the things that would absolutely impact on your ability to perform that role because they clash with your value system, the, the things that are definitely not me. And then it was a case of going, okay, so which roles can we find that then fit that values model? Which roles can we find that really light you up and reduce your exposure to those things that clash with your value system? And in the end, she decided on a complete career change. She realized that although teaching had been her go-to because as an artist, she felt that it was something that she could bring to other people. The role itself wasn't as she had imagined it before she went into it. And so now she is going into being a, a professional photographer instead. And that sings to her. It plays to her values of sharing art and creating art. And some of the things that she was doing as a teacher were really clashing with her values. So part of it was that she had to really constrain her students to operate in a particular way and to answer questions in their exams in a particular way. And it didn't fit with her need for art to be expressive and free. And therefore, teaching had become something that had really demotivated her and de-energized her. Wow, that's a brave move. Good story. Excellent example. Thank you. Okay, well, we've reached that point where I need to ask you what I'm asking everybody. Katie Humes, what are your top tips for people wanting to get promoted? I think my top tips would definitely be to get a really good understanding of yourself and make sure that you're thinking about your own personal values, your preferences, the things that motivate you and the things that you're really good at. What are your strengths? And then look for roles that really appeal to that side of you, because that's when you'll really feel like you are in a role that matters to you and that you've, you can confidently move forward with. A big thank you to Katie for an insightful and thought-provoking conversation. So, is that promotion you've got your eye on really right for you? Have you got a clear understanding of what the role will require of you? And given that it may not always be plain sailing, are you mentally prepared to ride the waves if things do get stormy? I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood and to build trust. Goodbye.